Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Magician Nelson Lugo. Hi, I'm Nerdcore rapper Shafe of the Dark Lord. We're best friends who hate each other's guts. And we co-host The Epic Podcast. A monthly show in which we discuss comic books, video games, television, movies, our debilitating emotional problems, and Batman. So much Batman. That's The Epic Podcast on the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Be safe, internets. Bye. Seriously, so much Batman. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBear here, back with another episode of Flame On. It's our first one of the year, 2021. Oh, lordy, y'all. We made it through 2020. Woo-hoo. Here we are. Everything changed, too. What's weird, my calendar says 2020 Redux. It doesn't say <laughs> 2020 Redux 1.5 Secondary Edition. 2020 plus one. That's all this is. <laughs> Oh my god, is it like Kingdom Hearts where it's like 1.5, 1.7.5, 1.8? 1. 2020 Final Mix 1.5, in song remix. This is just 2020 New Game Plus. Yes. We get to keep all of our illnesses from the previous year. Oh. Oh no. This is how we're starting it. Yep. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Thunderdome. Hi, Jane. Uh, remember when we started 2020 and we were like, this year is going to be awesome. <laughs> All the holidays are on are on like weekends or, you know, Cinco de Mayo is on a Tuesday. We're all going to have tacos. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, what fools we were. Exactly. <laughs> what sweet summer exactly. children we were. <laughs> <laughs> Winter was just around the corner. Winter is coming. And now we're just at the part of like season four where we're still just trying to trek through. (laughs) 
All right. So to kick us off for the new year, we have decided on a topic that we are going to discuss with y'all that some of us thought was going to make Christmas Day all the more magical with its release in select theaters. You know, in those states that don't really give a flying fuck anymore and have theaters open. Florida. Yeah. And, <laughs> and simultaneously on HBO Max, bringing back together the talents of Patty Jenkins as the director and Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Godot. Is it Gadot or Godot? I thought it was Gadot. Yeah, I think it's Gadot. Good circle, circle, dot, dot. Now she's got her cootie shot. Boom. <laughs> Wow, that's about as dated a reference as the Wonder Woman movie. That belongs in 2020. (laughs) I think I learned both of those in 1984. I mean, quite possibly. (laughs) Quite possibly. Well, Cal Gadot stars as the titular character. We see the return of Chris Pine, one of the three main Chris's in... uh, Filmatic comic book movies and uh, introducing Pedro Pascal and Kristen Wiig into the movie universe of Wonder Woman with Wonder Woman 1984. The movie uh, received a mixed bag of praise and condemnation, (laughs) and we're here to add our two cents to it. So let's not waste any time. Let's just get into what y'all thought about it. Let's talk about some highlights. And then we'll go into the lowlights. Uh, Brian, what were some highlights from Wonder Woman 1984 for you? Um, I believe that it was entertaining. Or as the kids like to say, entertaining. Uh, I, I did not hate my life for two and a half hours. Having said that, I was at home and in the comforts of my little, you know, uh, COVID bubble, which is actually, a, you know, a bubble because we hermetically sealed it. Um, it was fine. I, uh, I, I, I will get into what we didn't like and all the problems we had. But I think the only problems I had while I was watching it, and I mean just the, in, you know, the, that initial experience was, uh wow, this is um, not a lot of Wonder Woman. Like, there's a lot of Wonder Woman the person, but, like, the iconic outfit and look. So, uh, and that's more of a criticism. But um, highlights, like, things I liked. Um, you know, the Pedro Pascal, you know, as much as his uh, Maxwell Lord was way over the top, like, so much. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that character from the comics in certain incarnations. I mean, he's had a lot of different incarnations and, and, and storylines, but... The, the idea of this ruthless uh, faker trying to convince the, the the world that he is a leader and that you should all listen to him and and um, why not just uh, you know make America great? I mean, make the world great. I mean, make I don't even know. Like it was such an obvious <laughs> Trump uh, sort of thing with certain you know like eighties roots, you know. That I, I, I eat that up. I love any time we can really hoist um, somebody like him and, you know, the what the greed, the unbridled greed he represents without any compare. Can, can, can we use the phrase? That, can we use the phrase, especially since it's uh, kind of like your, your last name? 
Oh, ho- hoist on his own petard? Uh, yes, yes, exactly. Yes. The, the phrase that I hate <laughs> uttering because it is so close to my name. But yeah, no, it, I love that. And so I think the highlight for me in this movie was the contrast of Wonder Woman, who is this iconic, uh, feminine, heroine, you know, hero uh, with this power. Heroine. <laughs> the good kind. Um, and having like that, that, that contrast of compassion and empathy uh, held up against unbridled greed uh, and, and power hunger. I, that, I, I love that. Anytime I can see that comparison done in a way that sort of teaches that lesson, I'm all about it. And the fact that Wonder Woman did everything she could to protect people, you know, kind of answering some of the early problems with the DC movies where they would just destroy city. Superman would just like lay waste to cities without really too much worry about what, who was getting crushed and killed. You know, that, that Wonder Woman really went out of her way to protect those children playing soccer or the kids in the mall, like all of that. I spot on for me. Um, so yeah, I would say highlights for that. <laughs> the rest, I don't know. <laughs> she protected that little girl in the mall by flinging her across the room. <laughs> she had a good time, though. She enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> she said, you are safe now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, yeah. Uh, BJ, what were some highlights for you from uh, this film? So, a uh, little bit, uh, definitely on point with Brian. Uh, one, of my, one of the things I loved about the movie is... Um, that fights that for initial fight scene she had with Barbara and her catching the guards in a way where like their heads weren't being like smashed against the wall and stuff like that whole fight scene, the choreography in that for Diana was like the perfect show of that character. Like she's like, none of these people are actually involved in this issue. She's like, even though they're, they are trying to fucking shoot me. Um, I liked that. Um, I liked they they touched on this, um, and the the build they started with Barbara and Diana at the museum, um, them having lunch and chatting, um, and there was that actually that really nice line where Barbara's like, "Oh, you probably don't like feel invisible like I do," and blah blah. blah. But uh, Diana has that line: "We all have our struggles." Um, it was a nice, it was a nice lesson that Diana was starting to teach Barbara, and then things kind of got washed under the the whole Maxwell Lord a piece. But I really, really liked that because it it if they had extended that out, that would have been it would have been great, especially with the final fight. It would have been great to see the two of them. Um, uh, to kind of have that moment of like, well, I thought we were friends and, and it's kind of, it's almost a failure on Diana's part. Um, but I also love the fact they didn't kill her. Um, that's one thing that DC move that a lot of DC and Marvel movies do that bugs me, especially if you know, they're planning on doing something more later on is they have these, ama- they'll have these amazing villains and they end up killing them off, and I'm like, no! Like, I would, like, especially, um, like with uh, Eric Killmonger, like, it, it broke my heart that they killed him off, because I'm like, to have him either loose or still around and have him pop up as kind of like this sort of anti-lesson to the hero, 
is great. Like, uh, like especially with Loki. Like, lo- having Loki around during the MCU was always a good point because you got to see that villain kind of develop kind of into a hero. Um, or at least not into an outright antagonist like they started out. Um, so I really I liked Barbara. Kristen Wiig's Barbara was cute. Um, it was it was actually a little bit sad to see her kind of downfall because um, she didn't see it as a downfall. She saw it as her coming into her own. Um, in my head, I tweaked the title a little bit, and instead of Wonder Woman 1984, it was Wonder Woman 1974. Um, and the environment because it felt it felt a lot like the TV show to me um which was what took place in the 70s so i was confused as to why they didn't make it 1974 but um probably just because of all the plot devices and technology and everything they wanted to implement um worked better for that title but um no i like how it was very it was it was very 80s it was very colorful um it was very it was fun because the first wonder woman movie took place you know, during World War Two, so you're like, this is a downer. So there, at least there are moments in this one where you get to see kind of the world in a much more vibrant place. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I, I'll agree with Brian. It was definitely entertaining. Um, and I will save all my other uh, bits and pieces for the <laughs> second segment. <laughs> and uh, it was World War One. World War I. Okay. Some... Oh, wow. Somebody out there is going to be yelling at their their podcast listening device and <laughs> be like, it was World War One, damn it. <laughs> but, yeah, both the TV no, show, first season, and the movie were set in World War One, which was kind of interesting. Oh, okay. For sure, for sure. Eric, what were some highlights for you from uh, WW84? I thought the, the set pieces they created uh, for the 80s were amazing. Um the mall was fantastic. Seeing all those old stores, it was such a blast from the past. Um, <laughs> I thought a lot of the action sequences were good. I thought the mall sequence was good. I thought the the um, convoy um, scenes were really well done. Um, I thought the acting from the main four uh, of the cast were really well done. Um, what they had to work with was questionable, but that's a second half conversation. Um, I thought the kind of descent into madness for Barbara was great. Um, I really liked Kristen Wiig uh, in that part. Uh, but yeah. I mean, it was nice to look at. <laughs> I'm also wrong. Uh, as soon as I said that, I started questioning my brain. Uh, the TV show was set in World War II, the first season. Okay. Uh, but it did come out in 76. And so really, if you look at it, not at the decade boundary, late 70s and early 80s are very similar in a lot of ways culturally. So that it, they they probably picked 84 to kind of 
borrow a little from the original show. Or, sorry, the second and third season, which in the TV show was jumped into the seventies to be contemporaneous okay. uh, with when it aired. But they try to borrow some of that, like that familiar sort of look and feel—not even look and feel, but just that that zeitgeist or that that energy or whatever. But then also talk to like the greed and excessiveness of the mid eighties, which was the Reagan era and all that. Anyway, so yeah, but World War Two. I I wouldn't be surprised. Um... It, it wanted to kind of play a little bit on the uh, the upcoming Cold War. Yes. And what led into it, which, um, you know, the Cold War, quote unquote, period was 85. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that the movie ended, where it mysteriously jumped from 4th of July to winter, would have then led into that 85 time frame. So that, I, I could understand why they um, kind of picked the picked a- that time frame. Yeah, picked right right on that cusp, right on the uh, the outer edge of uh, the beginning of the Cold War, uh, especially with them doing the uh, the you know the nukes and making that a big point of where the world would have ended or part of the you know the impetus for the the end of the world. There. I think Jeff Johns has like a fixation on that era, um, at least in some respects, because several of his works, and he's one of the co screenwriters for this film. Uh, and if you're familiar with comics, he's written a lot of DC comics. He's one of the best. I mean, in the last you know two decades, probably one of the best uh, writers in DC, uh, and also up in, in management at one point. So yeah, he loves that Cold War era. I think he fixates on it in both in terms of like the Watchmen sort of you know paranoia mm-hmm. of all the nation. It's it's a it's an important moment in history in our history, and most of us were alive for that, right? And it's it's uh, or I shouldn't say most. We're I all... was two. Okay, well, well technically alive. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I was one. But, I was one in 1984. But um, no, it's 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 a, it's it's such a critical moment that um, Pat, I think that makes sense. I would actually, I'm really interested to know, do they follow it up and jump again to like the 90s? Are they going full on contemporary? You know, with today, like for the third movie, which has been announced pretty much almost immediately after it came out and did as well as it did. So, well, let's see how many. So is what. 60, 60 something years in between the two movies. Yeah. Oh. Time wise. Yeah, it wouldn't be quite sixty years, but unless I do. Even if you say fifty, you know, you go if you follow from like the Fox uh, X Men um, kind of concepts, then they, it would have to be like Wonder Woman. What uh, twenty thirty, twenty thirty four. Which, I mean, honestly, after, you know, what happened in Justice League and Batman v Superman, I wouldn't mind going a bit past that (laughs) to the future. Skip ahead. Skip ahead, brother. Yeah. Right. And uh, with that announcement, I believe they also said that Chris Pine was coming back again. Did they really? Yes. Oh, no. (laughs) So, so, I don't know. Pat, what did you like about this film? (laughs) Because I feel like that's going to go right into what we didn't like. (laughs) i mean you know y'all know me so well (laughs) um i like that it was available in my home and i didn't have to go to a movie theater for it (laughs) um i i like that i didn't have to spend money on the movie at a movie theater unlike uh dark phoenix um no i mean overall i didn't think it was a i didn't think it was a horrible movie and this is my biggest uh gripe with 
kind of like the extreme, oh my God, this was the worst film ever made, yep. or oh my God, this was amazing, because art exists on a spectrum. And while I think this was on the lower half of middle of the road, I still thought it was an okay movie. Um, Gal Gadot and uh, Chris Pine are a good on-screen couple. You know, maybe not the, maybe not my top favorite like on-screen couple in the you know the the world of comic book movies. Um, I'm still holding my breath. And I will die holding my breath because I know it'll never happen. Um, but I would love to see Batfleck and Gal Gadot on a like Mr. And Mrs. Smith, you know, like that that music or the not museum scene, but that scene from Batman v Superman where they're in the like that little art area. And the, oh yeah, they, that just gave me such great chemistry between they the two of them. And really good chemistry wise in that scene, and that made that uh, that is where I fell in love with that version of Wonder Woman right there. And yeah. the, oh my the game she plays and the she's got Bruce's number like she knows exactly what she's doing and I really I'm very interested to see what they do with the third movie because of that. Yeah, I mean I would love to see something along those lines and and have it be a little bit more intrigue and espionage and just self-assured, you know, Wonder Woman. But you know, we probably won't see something along those lines with, you know, Affleck and, and Godot, which makes me sad, but I would love to see. The costumes, the ensembles, the looks, uh, the callbacks, the references to the Wonder Woman television show in the outfits that uh, Godot's version of Diana Prince wears. You know, some of them are direct inspirations from the Linda Carter television show. And she looked great. The outfits that they had um, Barbara wearing, especially as she, you know, after her wish and she oh, starts, yeah. you know, developing into the sultry, you know, character. They, they were fantastic. The looks were great. Costuming was on point. Um, it reminds you how ridiculous the men's looks were in the eighties. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That dress-up scene, okay, so I will say specifics. That dress-up scene with Steve Trevor, which was the nice reverse of the dress-up scene from the first movie when yes. you know, Wonder Woman is trying to... It, be, wonderful. Be, so hilarious. It almost made me forget that they were totally, like, squatting on this one dude's life without any consent or, you know, whatever. So it made me forget it for, like, a hot second, but then I was still, <laughs> still creeped out. I'm I'm still trying to I'm I was trying to not get to that until my negatives. <laughs> oh yeah, because as we all know, I love that scene in the first one, <laughs> and to have the reverse of it in the second one was just phenomenal. If only they were on a boat somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah right. Oh <laughs> uh, no, they were on no, a plane. I mean, they were on a small yeah. little uh, invisible jet for uh, yeah. Uh, for for a hot second, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, as they were speeding to nowhere to get nowhere quickly, you know, it's yeah for a very critical reason too. Uh, everything, everything. All right, I'm not even going to get into. Uh, we'll get into it when we get into. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's time for us to get into it. All right, let's get into what we didn't like about Wonder Woman. Eric, why don't you kick us off 
and then that way you get first dibs at uh <laughs> things <laughs> at, at things that weren't as uh critically acclaimed in our circle like shooting fish in a barrel <laughs> um so in in kind of my prose i mentioned that i liked the acting and they did well with what they were given because this script was i mean i'm i'm sure it was there I'm, 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 I'm sure this wasn't improvised, but there was a physical script somewhere within the within the actor's hands. I mean, it was all done in hieroglyphics, so they had to figure it out as they went along. So that explains the the whole uh, you know segment overseas. I mean, it might have been um, in infinite monkeys, infinite typewriters typing out <laughs> something that resembled a Wonder Woman uh, movie, but this was rambling it it went everywhere and i mean ultimately this did not need to get to the worldwide stakes that it got to it it did not need to be there um for this story i don't think um and this was not my maxwell lord this, this, my Maxwell Lord was such a slow burn in the comics that to go from meeting him to complete megalomaniac trying to take over the world was such a far jump that it seemed like they had this story and they didn't know what villain to put into it and they're like, oh, let's do Maxwell Lord. Like it seemed like the story was written before they picked the character. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Because, like, there there are some interesting... I, I like Maxwell Lord as a character, and uh, we, we you and I talked about it somewhere. It's like, we've seen him as kind of like a... We've seen him as kind of like, not really a villain, but kind of like a... Well, I would say almost an anti-hero a couple times. But I agree with you on that. It was, it was, uh, it was a very weird take on Maxwell Lord. I think that Jeff Johns wanted to boil Maxwell Lord down into something that could be used in this way. I, I do I don't I don't know the history of the development in terms of who got the script first. My guess is Johns probably was an earlier pass than maybe Jenkins, who was also on it, got a got a pass being the director. And I think there was a third name, but um I could see an earlier version kind of focusing around either Jeff or uh, Maxwell or Cheetah. But mixing the two was problematic. I think, BJ, you may have said something about, like, if it had just been, like, Cheetah and Wonder Woman going toe-to-toe, yes. like, that would have been interesting. And and I certainly think, you know, and I won't steal one of Eric's, hopefully, but, like, the Cheetah relationship was interesting. The Barbara relationship was interesting. And she disappears for, like, a third of the film. Like, yeah. she's she's relegated to the sidekick uh, almost Oracle <laughs> back in DC or when Wonder Woman and, and Steve are off having their adventure in the Middle East or in Egypt or wherever. Like it was just she, weird. She's the man in the chair. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, per, the person in the chair. Right. It's like, yeah. it's weird that, that you would take your, your sort of uh friend turning into a villain and, and then make them like that role for a while. It was weird. And, and because, you know, because and the, ultimately you didn't have to have, cheetah fully transform in this movie because you had max being such a worldwide villain you could have had just her starting to feel and maybe confront the um creep that she met in the park you know Mm -hmm. 
maybe go that far, but then uh, wait for her to fully flesh out in the sequel or in the next movie, rather. Um, I 100% agree with that. Absolutely. And I think um, I on Christmas evening in the uh, the Discord server, I had made a comment along those lines of, I would have loved to have seen this played out where Cheetah could have been Wonder Woman 3's antagonist. Yes. But the problem was that you made Cheetah, Cheetah's origin depend on the Dreamstone, which then goes away at the end of this movie. If they had figured out a way or, or not tied it together like that, it would have been, it could have worked beautifully. Mm-hmm. But instead you get watered down half-assed stories with these villains. Yeah, I think, I so think it's I'm... commonly been um, a Spider-Man movie trope where the, if you have multiple villains, they all seem to share a part of a brain. So the more villains you have, the less intelligent each villain is. And it's <laughs> not to say that Barbara wasn't an intelligent villain. I think she was. But... They they took away something from her the moment she linked up, like like with when she Max. with yeah. Max and and it was funny because it felt like like it felt like they were trying to replicate and this could have been the studio because Patty Jenkins has been very verbal about when Warner Brothers is like hey put this in there, um, it felt like they were trying to copy what was going on with the main villains in the previous Wonder Woman movie, where you had you had the general and then you had Dr. Poison working together, but they worked. Like, they saw each other as equals. Like, whereas this, it felt like they were kind of forced together. I think that Wonder Woman, in both cases, has third act problems. Like, it has other problems, this movie specifically. But I don't think the third act of Wonder Woman, the first movie, is, is good at all. I think it's really bad. And I hated it. At, I hated it during the sh- first time I watched it. Uh, you know, it's it's it's. And Patty Jenkins has come out and said the studio really twisted her arm on that third act. It's not what she wanted. Mm-hmm. And you don't have someone in DC like a Kevin Feige to sort of shepherd long term storytelling uh, ideas and storylines. Zack Snyder was that, and then may still be somewhat involved. I mean, with the stuff that they're working on with the whole Justice League Snyder cut, and then he was a producer on this film in whatever role that meant, right? But, like, you don't have the commitment from DC, was it Warner Brothers, I guess, to to have these long-term story ideas like Marvel has done so expertly. And I think that expectation and that mindset, especially for those of us who come from a comic book, long-term storytelling, and hell, even TV now allows for really long-term, you know, stories to play out and have these reveals and beats. Like, it's just not going to fit in the way DC is making, or Warner Bros. is making these DC movies. They just don't want it, for whatever reason. I mean, I think that's a conscious decision, um, and to their detriment, I think 100% yeah. to their detriment. Um, so all of this is very valid criticism, and I hope... God, I hope they listen and they adjust, but I just don't trust it. But the other thing I will say is DC has come a long way in terms of their movies. Remember, Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, this is the same like cinematic universe, right? And we're all the way over here to Wonder Woman. And I think the problem with Wonder Woman 84 is we had such high expectations after the first Wonder Woman, which was an okay movie that just came after a string of really shitty DC movies. And so I attribute a lot of problems with the way people violently 
reacted to this film with expectation management. They just had. But, but this, ultimately, ultimately, yeah. like two thirds of the first Wonder Woman were so it, fantastic. Right. I mean, like so they good. Were. And then it gets obviously let down by the third act. I and would I be think... curious if we saw the first Wonder Woman after a competent DC movie, which, gosh, I don't even know what another good example would be. But like, <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, like even the, the Suicide Squad movies, which are not terrible, like they're better. I guess the last one was OK. I mean, Bir- Birds of Prey was pretty decent. Yeah. And the yeah, new one well, that we've only had one Suicide Squad movie so far. Yeah. Oh, well, sorry. The second Birds one of Prey. I mean, Birds of Prey, I guess I'm thinking Harley, but you know what I mean. But no, like, I feel like if we saw the first Wonder Woman after a competent DC movie, it would still be amazing and important for many reasons. I mean, it's it, all the stuff about it being the first, you know, really woman, you know, female hero, all that, all that's very valid. But I don't know if we would have loved it as much. I feel like a lot of the problems it had, the second movie had, because Jenkins, I don't know, I just don't know that she has the best take on this character. I don't know that her her directing and just the way this all comes together with the studio is is really what the character needs. But it's better than what we've got in the past. So I don't know. I feel like there's still a lot of that in, in, in the mix. I would um, love I, to see the next Wonder Woman movie have a female villain. And just that, yeah. that's it. That's it. They, they don't end up playing second fiddle to yeah. a male character at all. It's just the female villain from start to finish. And that's Agreed. it. 100%. Um, the other, I mean, this is probably just a me problem. This is, I don't think this is a universally thing. The first segment, which was when she was a kid and the whole Olympic game thing on Themyscira. The American Ninja Warrior. Yes. <laughs> That was a great sequence. However, the second that um, oh, Robin Wright's character gives the little life lesson to young Diana, I'm like, that's the exact that that is the exact same thing that's going to happen to her at the end when she has to give up Steve Trevor. I mean, like there was there is no like, oh, she has to like that is that that's that's the whole movie right there. That's it. Well, like, actually, honestly, and that's where I was upset that they didn't concentrate more on her relationship with Barbara, because that would have been the perfect lesson for her to try and teach Barbara when Barbara, you know, tried to become her and and didn't want to work at what she was good at. It would have it would have been a much better lesson for her to try and teach somebody but fail. And that would have been. There were there were at least three other lessons in that beginning sequence they could have done, and you're right. That was like the most ham-handed one they did. They picked. They could have easily done one where she tried to trip up one of the other Amazons, or one of the Amazons wasn't like because they had that one moment where one of the Amazons looks at her and is just like this little bitch, mm-hmm. you know. And you think they're gonna fight, and it would have been interesting to watch her when but have another Amazon try and start a fight with her and then her be like, okay, let's go. But that's being a poor winner. So like there was, there was all sorts of lessons they could have done in that one sequence, but it felt like they went for like the easiest, simplest one. I I just, I just don't think that it needed to be that ham fisted to be like, here's what you're going to learn today, kids. Wheel of morality, turn, turn, turn. (laughs) 
Tell us the but, lesson that we should learn. You, you but didn't usually need a, that's the at the more end. you know moment at the very beginning. Yeah. <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> it's the thing. It's, it's like you get this lesson and then you're like, it's they Christopher Nolan memento styled this movie where it was like, here's the ending. But we're now going to show you how this will apply to this this story by now going backwards and showing you this this lesson or, or showing you how this story plays out. Um, I I liked the scene overall in the beginning. I just don't think, aside from that one part at the end, like that ham-fisted, like, here's the lesson, I didn't see it. It didn't feel like a, it blended with this movie. You know, because there's no other callbacks to the Mascaria, the yeah. Mascara, whatever, you know, however you say it. Amazon Island. Yeah. But... Had it been part of the first movie where they went through a lot of her, like, these montages, like, I could see it fitting so much better with that first movie. And then I just, you wouldn't feel like I had watched the Amazon version of, you know, Ninja Warrior and then watched Wonder Woman right afterwards. Like, it felt like two completely different things where there was a start, a middle, and an end to that. And then, okay, now we're, you know, in 1984, and now here's a beginning, middle, and an end. It felt like a short that was tacked onto this movie and not blended properly. So it's funny, the studio actually wanted to cut that. Yeah, And really? Jenkins stood up and said, no, I really want this in there. And my... my, my... And then they said, you are going to change your ending completely. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I think I think she fought for it because she wanted to show that little girl, wonder, you know, Diana's little girl. The things that people resonated with the first film a lot was empowering young women with these like moments that you can you can accomplish so much and you can be a badass and all this stuff. And she wanted that to to sort of set the tone. And just it may be in some ways bridge, though that doesn't make sense, right? Um, so I, I think I get why she did it, but I also felt like, you know, based on the rest of the movie, it was superfluous, other than the making the lesson, which is whatever, and then introducing the um Ariana Grande armor. I mean, other than that, <laughs> I, I, I yeah, it was it was not necessary, but I didn't I Gentlemen. liked it. Also, I mean, an- another small thing is. If you want Wonder Woman to fly, why not put her in the suit that has the wings? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That suit's pretty flimsy. I wouldn't trust that to do much of anything. <laughs> it could withstand the armies of man, but not Cheetah's claws. Yeah, it's it, yeah. It was. Um, I mean, something I think we for, all forgot to say when it was the good parts was nobody mentioned the mid-credit scene. Oh, well, yeah, oh. you're right. 100%. That was beautiful and amazing. And yeah. the only person I've heard who, I was an iFanboy review this uh, movie, one of the younger uh, contributors uh, who didn't watch the original series much. And, you know, he, he, he was kind of like, eh, it was okay. I didn't get it. I mean, he knew what it was, but he didn't, it didn't resonate. And for those of us who watched the original Wonder Woman, I mean, oh my God, that was just such a glorious I mean, I could uh, hear Joe Ritchie squeal from... Seriously. Our, 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 our friend Joe... Yes. Joe, so our dear friend Joe lives out in uh, Virginia now. He, we actually took him to see the first movie for his birthday. Every time, like, Wonder Woman comes up, he's like the, the first one to squeal and be excited. And I, I actually, I need to find out if he liked it or not. But that moment, 
he, he probably wet himself. It was, uh, you know, but he's. What would have been even better is if uh, if they had done that, and then she turns around, and it was Adrian Palicki. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> and it was just a backdoor pilot for her Wonder Woman show to come back on NBC. <laughs> oh no! Um. Well, you, you know the whole intro to, uh, or the whole beginning of um, Spider-Man into the uh, Spider-Verse, where it's the mm-hmm. Peter Parker that dies and he goes through his life and talking about um, if Wonder Woman ever becomes like a pop culture thing in that world, could you imagine them showing scenes of the uh, Palicky Pilot? As they even made a TV show about me. But we don't really talk about that. There's this. We don't talk about this. Um, oh my god, that'd be phenomenal. What did you guys I, think, I think of... I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, I don't think it would have fit thematically into this movie. I think, I guess the way she ultimately dealt with Max Lord in the end oh my was god. fine and talking to all of humanity to but how how did the but, what, when did the lasso but, get that power? When did how did that happen? How know. did she wrap that that lasso around his ankle, but yet talk to the entire world through him? <laughs> when did this happen? It tells <laughs> the truth. It doesn't just show. I, but, it tells the truth. Listen, but, and, and I, I will hand wave things away. <laughs> I get that it's fantastical and magical, and it's a comic book, and, and everything is hand wavy. But for fuck's sake, because he was connected made... to the whole world through. Particles through pim particles. Pim particles. See, yeah. it, it would have made more. You sense. can touch everybody. Say that again. Made, I can touch everyone. It would have made more oh, sense Jesus. if she had wrapped it around the camera. Like then she's showing them all the truth of like what the, I, I I see what they were going for, but and and you're right that part that that's one part right there that one little like let's do this with the lasso told me that they really were trying to force Maxwell Lord as, like, not only this villain, but you're also supposed to feel bad for him. Yeah. And it was, it was, it, it that, but that felt like, it was like the opening lesson. I'm like, uh, we're just gonna, and it, it, bother, it bothered me, but at the same time, I was like, and like, I, I, and I know, and I know that, when Superman Returns came out, there was this huge to-do about the whole fact that he killed Zod, and he was upset about killing Zod, and understandably so. You know, he's yeah. killing one of the last of the race. But in the comics, Wonder yes. Woman kills Max Lord. Yep. And that could have been her moment and breaking down and having this whole... Yes. Because, because she... I don't know, maybe maybe because she had just not killed, but obviously hurt Cheetah and been so disappointed in um, Barbara's decision not to relinquish her wish. But they could have had her kill Max. They set it up very much with the idea that the only way to fix everything was to either have everyone renounce their wish or to destroy the monkey's paw wish stone magic lamp whatever fucking metaphor um yeah. the dream stone. dream stone thank you um so they 
they, I think, were trying to kind of give the comic book fans sort of this, like, false idea that that might be where they were going. And I, for a while, was like, they're going to have her snap his neck. They're going to do it. They're, I, and I, I convinced myself that that made sense. But then I thought afterwards, when they you know saw how they did it, and thinking back to the fact that they introduced his son... Yeah. They're not going to do that with this guy who the kind of showing was a schlub. And then and especially as soon as they started showing his backstory and how he, you know, like didn't, you know, he was an outsider and all this other crap. Like, okay, yeah, they're going for the sympathy card. They're not going to snap his neck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for a while there, I was full on like, oh, oh we're going to do this. Oh, my God. And, and I don't know if it would have bothered me as much as it bothered me in Man of Steel um, because Wonder Woman was a warrior. Like, yeah. the Amazons yeah. kill people. They are well, not just, oh, all right, I'll keep you sick. No, they kill people. They're warriors. Like, why would she be any different? favorite line from anything Wonder Woman is the fact that she looks, I can't remember, she looks at, she looks at either Superman, I think it's Superman. She looks at Superman and she says, there's a reason I don't have a rogues gallery as big as Barry or Bruce's. <laughs> When I deal with my enemies, yeah. I deal with them. And that's my thing is, is I would have liked to have seen her. I w- like, you know, the last movie we did see her kill who she thought was like the main culprit. And I like how she didn't shed a tear. Nobody shed a tear at her murdering like a Nazi general at all. She didn't, she didn't give a shit. And in, in this, I'm, I think I would have. I would have liked to have seen her fail with grace is I guess what I was trying to see. Like she, like she saves the day, but to her, it's not really a save the day sort of thing. It's kind of, she failed to like stop all these issues from happening in the first place. And she should be able to stop them because she has the power to stop them before she has to make that bad decision or that harsh decision. And I don't know. It like it like I, I was with you. I was like, oh, she's gonna she's gonna fucking kill him. She's gonna fucking murder him. And then like as we went on, I was like, she's not gonna fucking kill him. And and in my head, I'm like, that's that's like a good happy ending sort of fairy tale thing. But I'm like, I I, I don't know. It it, it felt yeah, off. Kill, killing him wouldn't have rescued or saved the soul of humanity. The yes. way she did it, she had to save the soul of humanity by making right. them realize that they were all taking the shortcut. Dear listeners, we hope that you are having a great start to your 2021. Uh, we hope that you are enjoying everything that Flame On as a show has been bringing to you in all of these years. If you would like to follow us on our social media, go over to flameonshow.com where you can scroll to the bottom and you can uh, click on all of our social media icons and follow us on your favorite social media platform. We have paused. uh, We're going to pause for about a month or two on our Patreon page. However, it is still up and active. If you are not a member and you would like to uh, join and support the show, you can do so with a, uh, currently it would just be a one-time patron pledge and you'll get access to the content that is available on our Patreon site. And then once we go back to, um doing our monthly pledges than you would be in at that point but uh that is available at patreon.com forward slash flame on show and uh don't forget to tune into the flame on youtube channel 
and uh, twitch.tv slash curlingbear on Mondays starting, I think actually the Monday, uh, so tomorrow from when we're recording this. And uh, so it'll be the, they'll already be one up when you go back to watch them once this uh, releases out into the wild, into the public. But you can watch our Rainbow Spotlight series. Brian has been hosting those and will resume Monday, January 4th. So go check those out on YouTube, uh, on under the Playmon Show header, and on twitch.tv slash curlingbear. I have two currently confirmed that I would love for people to check out. BJ is going to join me on the 4th to interview the director of Queer Japan, Graham Colbins. Uh, very excited to talk to him about uh, Japan, but also, you know, his work, you know, that too. Uh, and the, uh, drag collective, I guess they're kind of considered, I don't know, San Francisco, uh, they, they, they're these two Queens, uh, Piranha and, uh, Franzia Kafka, uh, and they host this, uh, Twitch based, uh, drag show called Media Meltdown. And, uh, they're the ones that did the Dune drag show back in November, uh, all from their apartment and then with queens across the world. So I'm going to be talking to Piranha and Franzia. Uh, so those are the two confirmed, but I'm going to have two more exciting announcements to make, hopefully, as soon as I can confirm with the individuals that they're going to be available. So uh, I'm very excited for this uh, relaunch, relaunch because, I mean, we've been off for like two weeks. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. But, but, I mean... If that's considered a relaunch, damn, some people out there making content that haven't put stuff out in weeks and months better get their shit yeah. together. <laughs> but we're going for consistency, just like Flame On has been consistent for <laughs> forever because of Pat's uh, 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 Mussolini-ish <laughs> ability to <laughs> gonna say, keep the train right the podcast, on time. Make the podcast drop alerts. on time. <laughs> You know, I mean, there, there were a couple of uh, times, re- you know, in the past few months where, where an episode rolled out a day or so late. But, you know, during a pandemic, hey, I'm going to cut myself some slack there. Just a bit. But over eight years or so, making sure that shit gets out on time. But so <laughs> so make sure you check us out online, uh, flameonshow.com, hit us up on social media and check out our YouTube and uh, Brian's Twitch channel for the Rainbow Spotlight. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It, it, it falls into fable territory a little bit with that. Yes. And, and I'm okay with that, I guess. Because again, by the end, once you, you get his backstory and you know about the son, you don't want this dude to be killed. 
But yeah. yeah, but reformed is a good way. Um, did, did anybody else have issues with the soundtrack of this movie? I you mean you mean the fact that it was set in the, in nineteen eighty four and yet there was only one yes actual like prominent eighty song yes. in the entire movie. Well, that yeah. is a huge part of it, right? And and I know so many people were disappointed because that first trailer with the new order song that they then turned into like this orchestral thing was a phenomenal phenomenal yes. like piece but so zimmer han zimmer uh one of my favorite soundtrack composers in a lot of cases it, you know did the score and you know his stuff is usually bombastic i mean they bring him in for this reason and he's done a lot of superhero films and all that but it was obnoxious i felt like the soundtrack at times was like slapping me in the face with excitement <laughs> and maybe in a in a in a movie theater that would have just been like all right whatever sort of it would have fit in because there's a whole discussion too about you know how much the at-home experience affects this and that a part of your enjoyment whatever well we can't answer that that that's like impossible to figure out right um but but the soundtrack specifically was just gross and uh, I don't know if when he did it, if it, I, it must have been done pre-pandemic because this movie is supposed to come out like middle of the year. So it was it would have been being finished probably like, you know, spring at latest. Right. Um, it just was gross. And I really wish they had just leaned back towards their the 80s synthy pop culture, known real song, any of that more than what was surprisingly a not very synthetic uh very orchestral uh score so i don't know it bothered me but so i have to hit my my nail on the head here steve trevor was not needed at all he no. really was not needed in this movie at all and that felt like it was so first first we'll we'll go ahead and just say the uh him taking over some random schlub's body was awkward and gross in points. Um, and bringing, like, here's the thing is, when I watched Justice League and Batman and, and uh, Batfleck makes the comment, oh, like Steve Trevor, or mentions Steve Trevor to Diana, and she just, like, you know, shoves him to tell him to shut the fuck up. In my head, after seeing the original Wonder Woman movie, I was like, oh, damn. In this, I'm like, no, what he said was correct, because she should be over him by this point. And I'm like, I don't know. It, this, it That felt so forced. And while they do have decent chemistry, I'm like, do, do I need this again? And in my head, I'm like, it doesn't really contribute much to the story, other than that ham, ham-fisted like fucking lesson morality lesson of like you have to make the tough choice i think it would have been much better if she had to make the tough choice to kill maxwell lord um knowing he has a son um i guess they just wanted to mirror the fish out of water experience i guess but like i honestly i honestly it wasn't enough like like i i thought it was cute but at the same time i'm like no, they could have easily done this in like a little, they could have done this in like a little advertisement. They could have done that or they, I mean, but it really, in all honesty, the, the, the two cute little moments of him being around in the 80s and her like getting him used to that time period didn't really justify him even really 
being there at I all. I get the em- emotional beat of it. I get. And I understand why the studio and or the script, like, I get why he's there. He's also there in Wonder Woman's life throughout. Whether it's in the TV show where somehow it's like his his grandson later in the thing from World War One or or two rather get that right See, again. I could have I would have I would have been happy if they if she did happen to run into like a fam like a descendant or a family member. Like I could have been like, okay, cool. And now she's attached to this one. Right. Cause let's All be, right, let's, Sharon Carter. Yeah, let's I know. Be, exactly. I you, that you probably had, was the, the whole Captain yeah. America Peggy Carter situation. Exactly. Like like you could have de- like you could have definitely had that because that was weird in itself. Here's the but real like, problem though. So so having him in the movie, uh, okay, obvious, right? Even the third movie, I'm not shocked, even though I'm like, how? It's the way they did it. It's the way they did it. And I've seen a lot of people getting really down the rabbit hole on this as far as like this dude didn't have consent. Wonder Woman raped him, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not going there. That's in, that's you're 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 implying a very real issue in life with consent and rape. And you're projecting it into this magic thing that doesn't happen. So I feel like that's almost doing it a disservice to that yeah. whole discussion. But I've seen that criticism. Right. Um, but even if you take that all out. This dude, who is this seemingly nice guy at the end of the movie, you know, when he comes back in that ridiculous outfit, like, he's a guy. When it turned into a Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh my god, right, so much. Um, That guy had a life, and Wonder Woman absolutely knew that that life was in the sunken place. I don't even know where that dude went. (laughs) Like... Like he's gone, and now you have this Steve Trevor uh, uh, amalgam, amal- but it wasn't even an amalgam thing. because the dude was gone, and it was just in his body. And it was very and- quantum leap. Yes, thank yeah. you. Very quantum leap, but but to a not necessarily great purpose, and again without any uh, consent. And my question is, why did you have to do it that way? You have given these magical powers out. To like this one dude in in Bialia, which was I thought they were going to set up a Black Adam thing with that, right? You know, um, nuclear missiles appeared out of thin air. Right, nuclear missiles appear out of thin air. A wall comes out cows, of the fucking desert. Cows, cows. in the middle of DC. Right. So right? so so clearly the the monkey's paw doesn't have a problem with 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 making with manifesting re- things into reality. So why do you gotta like? It was so dumb, and it made me so uncomfortable because the the way they start it, when he's like in the party and he's this unrecognizable person and he's saying weird things oh, that yeah. only Steve would know, like that was confusing. I was confused for a good minute after, like, wait, what? And because I knew I knew Trevor Stever was going to treat Steve Trevor, not Treve Stever. <laughs> Treve uh, Stever. He was going to come back. I knew that, but then the way the way they did it was just so awkward and problematic, at the very least. Yeah. To the rea- to the reality of this dude's life's gone for a period of time, you know, and then it all it all ends well because he gets to have that moment, which I think actually is there specifically to address the creepy factor that <laughs> they took this dude's life over and conceivably oh, yeah. could have messed it up. Although I think that you know ultimately he got off pretty okay. Oh, he got uh, off all right. Yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, that was to me. Uh, if I have to pick, one I mean, we thing. think so. We don't get to see it because the Steve Trevor Diana romance is so sexless <laughs> that it's I like. There's like nothing to it. Yeah, it's like it's like 1950s <laughs> sitcom romance. Like, I'm surprised that they weren't in two separate beds when they woke up the next morning together. But. There is so much hand wavy. 
ness to everything, like you were saying. But they felt the like if had they not felt the need to even if it was like a quantum leap style in somebody else's body, if they hadn't dove into going to his place and doing all these things and really showcasing this is a person with a life, it might have had a bit more of that fantastical element of like, okay, I can remove myself from it for a second. Magic. But you had to go to his place. (laughs) She has a place. (laughs) They could have gone to her house. You know what I mean? They didn't have to be like, okay, well, I woke up on this, you know, what ended up being a futon or whatever. Like, it it just, it didn't feel necessary to do all of this extra stuff. Because if it was in a comic, we'd be like, all right, whatever. You know, that's just, we know that it's that fantasy realm. And this is a breathing example of that fantasy realm. But then you take it to that level of, hey, we're going to go ahead and, you know, show you his apartment and show you pictures on the wall. Wait. And then never show you his face again because we don't want you to really sit there we took and get mad body. about it. We took his fucking body and we used it for your enjoyment. With someone else's face because we knew it would have been even more awkward had it been the other dude's face the entire time. Uh, or or they could have, they actually, you know what they could have done? They could have made it so that it was Steve Trevor and we may have known that when she made her wish that Steve Trevor inhabited this dude's body, but... Steve didn't want to let her know. He just wanted to help her. So it could have been him helping her the whole time and she just didn't realize it. Like, that's a little weird. But at the same time, like, I feel like that's something Steve Trevor would do. He wouldn't just be like, hey, Diana, I took this dude's body. Let's hang out. Like, he'd be like, hi, Diana. My name is... Is... Trev Stever. Like, (laughs) like... And she might have figured it out, but also knew, like, well, I don't want to fuck up his wishes, you know, because they have, know. It, they have that. It would have just been, uh, it would have been Peggy Carter's mysterious husband that turned out to actually be Captain America exactly. after Endgame. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's, eh. and I'm, and I'm, and even, and they said that he's coming back for the third one. And in my head, I'm just going to be like, all right, Steve, what the fuck are you here for now? Like, like a weird uncle. Well, and bring <laughs> him back and let him stay. Because yes. if you're just going to keep doing this, and again, in this case, I would absolutely not have kept him around because he's using this dude's body, right? <laughs> but, I mean, if you're going to find a way to bring him back, just keep him. Just keep him. Stop fucking around with this. You don't yeah. need to do that. You don't need to kill off your villains at the end of films. You don't need to wipe away the slate. You can keep things around and then use them later. It's the... It's always, like we talked about this earlier, it's always befuddled me why studios or screenwriters feel like they have to kill and end these characters at the end of the film, you know, especially with Steve Trevor, because they're going to bring him back anyway. So it's just weird. Well, for, for a lot of the villains, it's because of contracts and keeping people tied to franchises that they don't necessarily want to be tied to. And when you're making live action to recast every other film True. with that character, it's tough. So I get that to a point. I'm I'm excited though because they didn't actually kill off Barbara. You just kind of see her sitting there at the end. So you could have, depending on how far ahead they jumped, and you could. Ha- I mean, it's it's Barbara. So Lord knows she could fucking find. I mean, now she knows that actual fucking god artifacts exist. There's nothing stopping her from being like, let's find the next one. Um. 
So that would be interesting. Um, and technically, did they destroy the Dreamstone? Yeah. Well, yeah. Did uh, they? Well, it, well, it, it he, dissolved. He relinquished his wish to, to be the Dreamstone. Yeah, and then they never yeah. show it yeah. coming anything. back, I don't think. It just yeah. disappeared, yeah. I, the reason I asked that is because if Barbara didn't relinquish her wish, then she technically would still be Cheetah. We don't know that she died. And when did Wonder Woman become impervious to being electrocuted underwater? <laughs> I just want to know that. Is it because she's made of clay? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> clay is an insulator, right? <laughs> so there you go. The, there, there was weirdness. There was weirdness with Diana because you had first you had Barbara's first wish was she wanted to be like Diana. And because I guess that fell under the realms of it can't just make her like Diana, it has to siphon off power from Diana. She had, but that's not why it, Diana's no, no. power was siphoned off. No, that was what was taken from her to give Steve Trevor yeah. back. It's yes. every because wish, when she relinquished her wish, yeah. she gained her powers back. Yeah, every yeah. wish has a cost. What doesn't make sense is, I guess, because he's the the monkey's paw, he can suddenly make that choice and say, "Well, I'm going to take this now." Whereas yeah, the can... stone did it before by itself. It, it's weird. The, the The rules don't make sense. They don't have to make perfect sense. It's magic, like we were talking about it. They don't apply too much, too much critical thinking to this. However, you need a little bit more consistency. And when they showed all the different people with their choices, and then what the consequences yeah. were, uh, it was like just it's just weird. The whole thing it, it was doesn't very, hold it was together. very almost needful things in a way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, but and I'm wondering if the reason that. Barbara looked like Barbara. Obviously, she lost her cheetah form because that was the wish that Maxwell Max gave her. Gave her, and so when he relinquished his wish, any wish that he had given automatically, I guess, went poof. Bye. But she yeah, never relinquished. Yes. Because I'm <laughs> hand wavy. Hand wavy. Because I'm yes. sure there's someone in the world who didn't relinquish their wish other than Barbara. Yeah. So. Or- or didn't. But, it would be actually but, be nice if Barbara was the only one that never relinquished her original witch. Yeah, so she could still look like Kristen Wiig, but have her increased strength. Yeah. I think when when Max relinquished his wish, I think that unsets all of them. Like, I think it's a cascade because that, you know, it effectively, like, reverses it. You know, when he's no longer the stone... He never was. I don't know. It's this is again. This is why you you can't apply to. It's wibbly wobbly timey wimey, right? It's, it's <laughs> well, totally no, and, and that's ex- that's exactly what Eric is saying. Just to the point of Barbara's wish was one of the few wishes that was before Max was the the Dreamstone. So if if Barbara has lost part of her empathy and her human her humanity to gain confidence and sexiness and all of that to be like diana with the reflexes and and all of that that could then lead to her not being the snow leopard i mean cheetah in that (laughs) form anymore because was it was it just me that thought that she was much less like she and more like a snow leopard snow leopard yeah (laughs) which i guess they did that because it was nighttime and it's easier to see that color of fur than a real leopard's fur i don't or real cheetah's fur i don't know I don't know, but when Goldar came out, when came out of the sky to fight her, that was fantastic. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> if only Max, so I think it was if my only Max meme. had thrown his staff into the ground and uh, Cheetah had grown to the size of Godzilla. 
Did we like her flying? I didn't seem to. I, it, it, wait, I which did not part? like her flying. When she had wings or when she was lassoing the lightning and then I flying was, by I herself. Was, I was fine with her lassoing the lightning. I wasn't fine with her just like flying, flying like Superman at the gliding. end. Gliding. Like, Wonder Woman does fly in the comics, so that's not unheard of. Not always, but definitely has happened. The Invisible Jet thing I thought was handled fairly well, given, you know, what you gotta do is like a fan service little thing, which, fine. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I guess, know. but show her practicing somewhere <laughs> earlier in the movie to give <laughs> yeah. context to that. It doesn't have to be anything. It could have just been her at... At home with a right. paperclip. I don't, show I don't, don't tell. Care. <laughs> no, it's show don't tell. You you don't yeah. you don't need the throwaway line if you can just we work it in somewhere. Is like yeah. No, I agree, Eric. I think that makes a lot of sense. I did it once to a coffee cup. I haven't been able to find it since. <laughs> it was a funny joke, but yeah, it was like no, come on. Bitch, you've never knocked it over. You didn't. You did not see the coffee inside of the mug. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was that point where I was like, I am just going to start nitpicking this movie apart now. <laughs> there's so much. There's so much. Why? Oh, here's a storyline they didn't finish up on. So Max was taking all these supplements, right? Yeah. I think. What What was that for? Why was that there? What, oh, what did that matter? Right. Did nothing. I about nothing. That. Nothing. Uh, we don't even know. I mean, I it guess meant nothing. If they had just like said something like because he was a weak, you know, he was weak and like skinny earlier, and this was his way to bulk up and try to like be more, you know, masculine, be more successful. Like, like they could have found a way to like make that a little more obvious, but it was there was no payoff to it whatsoever. You know, his I mean, health was failing because the 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 wish was the the paw his whatever was taking all of his his health right it wasn't because he well, was well we think sick. that yeah but it could have been that it was expediting whatever his health ailment was but we don't know right. because they never told us what the fuck was wrong with him just that he needed these supplements and these pills that he was taking and i mean i remember as a, i remember as a kid my parents always being very much got to take your multivitamin you know You're... and so i don't know if 80s <laughs> culture was very supplement heavy I mean, I think Give so. Give me my Centrum Silver. I, I mean, give me my, my Flintstone vitamins were like a thing in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I... I like, they, I would have rather than you, do, like, smoothies then, or some stupid, like, yeah. like really play up that, like, health angle, or, or you know, oh, supercharge your libido with uh, horny goat weed, or, <laughs> like, they could have they could have made it more specific, instead it was just in there, and for no reason that seemed obvious, it, it was just... Or just it, have a throwaway line with him telling his son, hey, yes. I take all these pills, you know? Like, yes. But, but the thing was that it wasn't just a health thing, because they kept on showing him having these headaches mm. like he kept on having physical manifestations of something yeah. which is why on i think that it wasn't so much that the dreamstone was was killing him per se i think it was expediting a health issue that they just didn't elaborate on enough they gave us these hints of oh i have headaches oh i need my supplements you know it wasn't hey get me my you know jane fonda jazzercise tape you know, it wasn't just kind of a fat thing. I think it was something that they just didn't elaborate on. And I don't know if there's, you know, when we start the campaign for release the Jenkins cut and there's a <laughs> four hour Wonder Woman 84, you know, cut where there's all of these extra things. I don't think it's going to make any difference. No, I don't either. Uh, we should do flame ratings. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
before we get to the flame ratings, any last bits and pieces, uh, good, bad, or indifferent that we want to say about Wonder Woman in the year of 1984? If you haven't seen it yet, just watch it at home. Do not go to a movie theater. Oh my god. So, I do have a Joe Ritchie update, because I know everybody in the audience that listens is going to (laughs) care. Um... But he has not seen it yet. Our friend that is this what? huge Wonder Woman fan has not seen it. But what he did say is he's going to see it. Or he's, what do you say, going there this afternoon? Going this afternoon. So I am just going to take that as that fool is going to a theater to see it. So uh, God bless him. I mean, in the midst of a pandemic that is just getting worse. And right after people have done irresponsible things like having gatherings for the uh the holiday season and new years maybe movie theater isn't the place you should be in general hbo max is such a great ecosystem of content i just watched adult material on there last night for episode british thing there's so much good content just pay the 15 bucks a month you got like three more weeks to watch this thing, maybe two. I don't remember when it how it's like a limited time to watch Wonder Woman. But Jesus H Christ, you're spending more on a ticket to a movie theater and popcorn than you will for one month of this service. Just do that and be safe. And there's a much smaller chance of you contracting COVID. Yes, and your own. Home this movie than is there not is in the worth COVID. Oh my God, this movie is so. <laughs> if it had been Dune. I, I would have had Still to really no. think about it. No, I would have, that would have been a harder choice for me, though. That would have been, yeah, but not this, not this. I mean, that's when people were going and seeing the New Mutants in the movie theaters. I was like, really? Yeah, no. This I could maybe see. Because, honestly, my last thing uh, would be, you had said, uh, you know, Brian, about having, um, you know, expectation management. And my final thing would be, after a movie like, and Eric alluded to this, after a, a movie like Wonder Woman came out, and even though there were issues with the third act, I liked that movie a lot. And so did a lot of people. And honestly, in seeing some of my friends' rate rankings of movies, Wonder Woman sits pretty high up there in the comic book movie realm. I don't feel like I should have had to lowered my expectations after that movie to see this in a better light. That's my only thing. If 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 there had been a completely different director or writer, like a whole different crew producing this movie, I might have been a little gone into it a little weary. Like, but it's like going from Wonder Woman to Justice League and seeing how Wonder Woman was shot and directed differently from you know Patty Jenkins to Zack Snyder. That was not a great you know slide over. But when Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot and Chris Pine. And a lot of the same people are going from Wonder Woman to Wonder Woman 1984. I don't feel like I should have had to drop my expectations that low. And I should have. <laughs> because I, honestly I probably helped. would have enjoyed it No, I, I, I will say, I watched this movie after I saw a lot of negative reactions. I did not watch this on Christmas. I watched this like the day after, the day after that. It, so I watched it on Christmas, but I did read some stuff in, that had said... It's a Wonder Woman Wonder Woman movie with about 20 minutes of Wonder Woman yeah. in it. Um and had some of the kind of the things that we've touched on. So I went into it still hopeful but knowing some of these things from outside sources. So but at the same time, had I not known any of that, I would not have gone into this with a lowered expectation because I would have hoped that the same type of quality would have carried through and I probably would have been a bit more disappointed. 
But with that being said, that'll wrap up uh, our, our, our chat about it. Let's give our quick round of flame ratings. Eric, how many flames would you give this? Out of five, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes, yes. Um, I have no idea. I, I cannot remember what I gave Justice League or Batman versus <laughs> Superman, but I guess it's... 2.75 maybe <laughs> wow all right i, I think i think it was a little rating. better oh. than justice league or B- batman versus superman so i i again i'm erring on the side of caution as i don't i, I want to make sure i don't <laughs> <laughs> go same or lower than them exactly yeah. <laughs> i gotcha i gotcha Brian, what's your flame rating i think i was t- so eric kind of took my uh i was gonna do 2.5 but i think i'm just gonna go with a solid c because I think for the superhero movie, a lot of people are going to enjoy it for what it is, kind of dumb, whatever, and that's fine. C's get degrees, C's get uh, profits, and I don't know. They'll, they're already going to make more, so there you go. It's, uh, yeah, two. How many? Three, three, three. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I was like, how does that translate? I'm sorry, not going to translate letters to flames. <laughs> BJ, what what is your flame rating? Uh, I'm pretty sure. So I'm I'm ninety percent sure I gave Batman vs Superman and Justice League a three out of five. So I'm gonna give this a three point two out of five because I did like it more than those, but not by much. So uh, yeah, three. I, I, honestly, I will say the reason I probably enjoyed Batman vs Superman is because Diana was in it. Um, so you can go ahead and just take that as you will, but I will, I will say a solid three out of five, three out of three point two out of five. All right. I'll go with, uh, I'll go with the 2.75. Uh, I don't remember what I gave either of those movies, but, uh, Batman v Superman had, uh, Batfleck doing CrossFit and, uh, Man of Steel had a shirtless, hairy-chested Henry Cavill. So it was, these movies definitely had uh, some things that were very much piquing my interest. <laughs> um, so I, I, it, it's kind of all in that same same ballpark for me for that. So, All right. Well, that was Wonder Woman 1984. Again, we thank you guys for hanging out with us. Welcome to the year 2021. Don't forget, if you would like to check out all of our social media, head over to our website, flameonshow.com. Scroll to the bottom and all of our uh, social media icons are there. Just click on and follow us on your favorite social media platform. Don't forget on Mondays, you can check out our YouTube channel or Brian's Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash curlingbear for our rainbow spotlight uh, interviews. We've got one that will be out just before the Monday before you guys are able to hear this out in the wild in the public uh and then uh he's got one coming up the week after with uh the drag collective uh so check those out you can also go to our flame on youtube page and uh check out our past live videos uh the rainbow spotlight series uh in uh in the video section so check those out follow us on social media uh check out our patreon page for our patrons out there, thank you for your, all of your support in this past year. We have paused the January. We're going to pause the February um, uh, pledges while we get ourselves caught up and uh, possibly tweak some things on the patron, uh, Patreon page 
So uh, in March, we'll get back to that. But if you are not a patron and you would like to check out the exclusive content, you can do so with a one-time pledge right now by joining at patreon.com forward slash flame on show. And uh, in two weeks, we'll be back with our first pop culture roundup of 2021. But until then, bye, bitch. Podcasts can be good, but they can be better. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.